0: Hello, Stacy.
1: Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas to you.
1: Because we're not recording this before Christmas, we're actually recording this on Christmas Day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um,
1: okay, if you <laughs> say ma- so. The magic of <laughs> podcasting.
0: I guess it's a, a little more comfortable than uh, recording artists who do their Christmas carol albums in Very July. Very
1: true. I would be up for that actually. <laughs> so I feel like we haven't done this in a while. <laughs>
0: It's been interesting taking this Advent season off, a little hiatus for us.
1: It has, but we will, um, well, you'll, you'll hear this after the fact, but uh, we'll plan on putting up the, the past sermons from this Advent season ahead of time. So this will actually be the, the official Christmas cast. Uh, so Merry Christmas to everyone listening. Um, so I think, you know, we have been taking a little break. Uh, so this is with this season and, and everything, I, I think this is, this is, we just wanted to release some kind of call it a Christmas special, if you will, uh, just to reflect on the season and the, the messages we've been uh, going through throughout the Advent season.
0: Right. Yeah. So as we're going through it, we've uh, been using this, uh, format, this series called, uh, sing we now of Christmas going through various Christmas carols and, and, uh, connecting the concepts of Advent together through those carols.
1: Right. Which has been, you know, awesome for me. Cause I'm always up for Christmas carols. <laughs> um, it is a
0: great time of year as far as the music and everything else. It's, it's just really hard to beat the songs of Christmas. And a lot of times it really um, focus in on what, what those lyrics mean, what the, you know, a lot of times we're talking about songs that were written in the, in the, 18th and 19th century and, and words that maybe we don't use every day or we're so familiar with, you know, the nativity story that we stop thinking about the significance of them at times.
1: Right. And one thing that I've, I've found really interesting, uh, we uh, we also, our Advent devotional book that our church puts together each year, uh, each person's Advent or, or each person's devotional was reflective of a certain uh, Christmas carol. And not all of those were religious songs but it's, right. it's, yeah. it's interesting and now I've, I've we've talked about this before you know finding a deeper meaning and actually finding jesus in secular music and so that's been really interesting to to take a look at that especially in the christmas season
0: absolutely it's been very cool to see and, and particularly i think you know looking at at songs like uh you know have yourself a merry little christmas or or you know off the red nosed reindeer, or right. a Number of things that that maybe we uh, we wouldn't necessarily associate with the Lord, but when you know, uh, to the pure, all things are pure, right? So as we're looking right. at, at these uh, songs that mean so much to us from really from a secular perspective, in Christ, if we've been uh, baptized in the Spirit and raised new life in Him, then really there's nothing that's in Christ.
1: Right. And that's been, you know, throughout songs throughout the year now that I've heard, I'm like, hmm, this could be about Christ. Yeah. <laughs> but, at Chris, but at Christmas, I think it even, you know, it, it hits you even more. But um, each week of this Advent season, we have, you know, that underlying theme of, of Sing We Now of Christmas, but we've been kind of diving into little separate themes each week. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that?
0: Well, yeah, we started out, you know, the first week, we, we looked at Heart the Herald, the Angels Sing, and, and, uh, one particular line that kind of stood out from that uh, from that particular hymn uh, which is a great hymn by charles Wesley you know he wrote it in 1739 and we <laughs> came to realize that he actually uh, refused to to sing or have anything to do with it after they changed some of the lyrics he didn't actually <laughs> write it about angels singing he he protested the idea that they were singing because that's not what happened in the in the biblical text but Anyway, uh, the, the, the concept behind it and the, the doctrine that Wesley included in his songs was really pretty tremendous. He would write these poems, and then they would later be set to uh, often to a variety. Older hymns were, were set to a variety of different tunes uh, that were, uh, as long as they fit the meter, then they would alternate those tunes depending on the mood and the group that they were dealing with. Anyway, so as as we looked at that in, in our first um uh, Sermon together, first service, we focused in on the idea of God and sinners reconciled. You know, the mm-hmm. first verse, hark the herald angels sing, and, and what are they singing? They're singing glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, and mercy mile, God and sinners reconciled. Uh, because of that idea of God and sinners being reconciled, then, you know, we can be joyful, and all the nations should rise uh, and join in the triumph of the skies with the angelic host proclaiming that christ is born in bethlehem uh, and so as as we looked at at this that begs the question why do god and sinners need to be reconciled and so it gave us an opportunity to uh to focus in on uh, who god is and what the what is the problem that needs to be solved what what was the the issue we needed to deal with and so uh, we focused in on the need for a savior and the idea that Jesus came to save, we couldn't save ourselves. And so it gave us a chance to look at the person of God uh, and the, the idea that the greatness and holiness of God is really beyond our imagination. Uh, and we took a look at Psalm 96 and and uh, passages like Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, the calling of Isaiah as a prophet when he encountered God and got to see this, this, amazing picture of the fullness and the majesty and the the greatness of god the father as even these angels that are described as burning ones uh covered their faces and feet in humility before god and and flew around singing holy 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 uh you know as they're recognizing him it it draws us as it drew isaiah into this idea that that we exist to glorify god in intimacy with him and so we respond immediately with humility and, and a sense of purpose that when we when we encounter God we recognize that there's more than us we're small <laughs> in right, this, right. this grand picture of life that God has a purpose for our existence and the issue is that our our sin Permanently and irrevocably separates us from God. And because of sin, and we saw that in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve fell and, and we all fell in them, uh, that there's no amount of good deed doing that can undo the stain of sin. Right. A curse came upon all of creation and, and ripped us apart from the God for whom uh, we exist. Our, our whole purpose was to please Him, to have an intimate, uh, uninterrupted relationship with him, and then sin wrecked that.
1: And it didn't take long.
0: <laughs> no, it, it sure didn't. I mean, you're talking about however, however many eons of time right. existed prior to sin and death entering the system. Uh, right. We don't know that; we're not told. And uh, what we do know is that at the beginning of the story, what God created perfectly, sin wrecked. Right. And and it's not like. Power over it introduces this this curse, the consequence of sin, right. and in that immediate moment, he promises to Eve, or well, really to the serpent, but to Adam and Eve, through his curse of the serpent in Genesis three fifteen, that one would come, the seed of the woman, who would crush the serpent's head, and right. so all of the rest of creation is looking forward to this time of the serpent crusher when the savior would come to set things right and that he would come to rescue us from this inescapable destruction and and uh, in christ we see we who recognize this as the messiah the the sent one that he came not to establish the kingdom that we expect but to establish a kingdom that is beyond our imagining and in the in the present moment what what theologians might call the the church age he has come to rescue us from sin to reconcile sinners to god in himself in the person of christ as our substitute so that when the day of the lord comes and judgment falls upon the earth and his literal kingdom is established uh, we can be a part of that rather than being among those who are destroyed and so he offers us pardon in that everyone who trusts in Christ alone has eternal life. And we, we all know that, that verse, John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, uh, that, that he sent his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him uh, would not perish but have everlasting life. And so that pardon is available to us as a free gift. Uh, 2 right. Two, eight, nine 9 is by grace that you're saved through faith uh, and and this not of yourselves it's the gift of god so that, that no one can boast uh, this this offer of pardon is an amazing thing and that the advent the christmas season or event is for that purpose that he didn't just come to be an inspirational story he came because we desperately needed a savior to set right what we could never set right. So he came to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. And that's where we start.
1: That's a good place to start. Um, You know, thinking about, you know, that particular line, uh, God and sinners reconcile, you know, when you really break it down like that, wow, that's a powerful line.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we get focused in on the angels, but it's really what the angels are singing about that's the exciting part.
1: Right. So... You know, to, I remember the sermon from that week, just thinking about, it's not just that, you know, oh, yay for us, we have a Savior. We'd be totally <laughs> gone with, I mean, there would be no reason for us to even have any hope whatsoever in life without that Savior.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that, that's the foundation of reality. When we, when so, we recognize that, that God is God, he is, right. he is other, he is holy, we exist for him. There is literally nothing in the universe that matters other than God. I mean, all the things that we get hung up on and all the things that we fear or all the things that we celebrate, all all of the, the wonderful things of this world is nothing apart from God. They don't even exist. And so the literally the only thing in the universe that matters is God. And he created us on purpose to be a part of that ultimate reality. And yet we decided we wanted to do something else to go our way instead of his way.
1: But even still, we continue to screw up and screw up and screw up. And he gives us this amazing gift. And sometimes that's just incredibly humbling. Like what did I do to deserve that?
0: Well, it really, it really is. It it changes everything when we begin to see things that way, which is what, you know, leads us into that second song that we looked at. That segue. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) In you know, in the, the hymn, It Came Upon the Midnight Clear, the angels right out of the gate are singing this glorious song of old. And, you know, they're, as they're singing about it, um, they're singing. It's old to us, obviously, as we're looking at, at this uh, ancient event. Right. Uh, and, and just to read from the, the text of that hymn, It Came Upon the Midnight Clear, that glorious song of old. That from, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. The, the, the message, that song that they are uh, presenting is peace on earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all gracious king. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. And, and as they're bringing this, the whole purpose of their message is to declare that because of this baby being born, because the Savior is coming, to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. God is offering peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests uh, to those uh, upon whom uh, he has granted this grace
1: right. so that
0: when we receive Christ, it's not because God's just said, okay, we're going to start over. We're going to give you guys a chance to do better. It's not because uh, we because we'll always it. mess it up. Absolutely. So, that, I mean, that's, it, the idea that God just cleans the slate and we get a second chance is—that's not good enough. That right. that would right. never work, because every ch- second chance we get, we blow it again. Right. But instead, He came to make us right with Him, to set up to not just set the record straight, yes, to do that, but to bring life. And so God uh, promised the Savior, and the the angels are declaring this message that the savior has come. It's God keeping his promise. And that's, you know, the focus that we had in that second week was that Jesus came to save us because God keeps his promises that God in his nature makes promises to his people. We talked about the, the just that promises tend to be inherent in relationships to begin with. Right. But, but in addition to what he said in the garden, God promised to Abraham that he would make him into a great nation in Genesis 12, 12, that his seed would bless all peoples and the new Testament clarifies that it's not talking about a collective seed as in seeds, but talking about a particular seed uh, that Abraham would bless all peoples through his offspring, the Messiah. He made the promise to Moses and to the children of Israel that he would be their God. If they would, uh, if they would uh, follow him and, 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 Trust in Him and rely on His commands and keep His His commandments. He would be their God; they would be His people, and He would do the work for them uh, of saving them. He promised to David in Second Samuel seven that He would uh, forever have uh, one of His offspring on the throne, and that one would come from Him who would rule forever. Uh, And Isaiah clarifies that even more in in Isaiah nine that this child would be born of David's line. Isaiah and, Dick and Jeremiah clarify that in multiple passages. But that this, this one who would come would be, uh, would be born to us as uh, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, this, this champion who would fight uh, and rule with an iron scepter, essentially, that, that he would bring about the peace by banishing evil. And so we see that God's promises— In the way he promises, they point to his nature and they give us hope that we can uh, that we don't have to worry that we're going to be abandoned because God doesn't abandon us. And he said that to uh, to his people, Israel, even when they were heading into uh, into exile in Babylon, that I know what I'm doing. I know the plans that I have for you. At no point are you ever going to be out of my hands. I'm on top of this. And we see that, you know, Jesus is one example to clarify, to make really clear to us that God keeps his promises to his people. And so that because of his nature and his character, we can have confidence that God, when he promises something, when he says he's going to be with us, he'll be with us. That He's going to, to glorify himself, to, to draw attention to his character through his kept promises. And Christmas is, is a huge part of that
1: right i think you know that's important for us to to be reminded of you know especially this time of year but always because it's so it's so easy to have a worldly perspective and and be distrusting of people uh people people who break promises to you or people who have let you down and and i think that's often why it's such a struggle sometimes for us to to really wholeheartedly 100 percent all the time kind of believe that god absolutely because that's Even though he shows his time, time yeah, but we see
0: it in everybody else that we all let each other down, right? I I break my own promises to myself, let alone my promises to other people. So, I get that trust is hard, and we're going to always run into all these situations in life that can bring fear and anxiety, and we don't know how they're going to turn out. We worry, but if we remember that we belong to him and he makes and keeps and uses the promises he makes to his people, then. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be overwhelmed. I don't have to be stressed and anxious because I can trust him. And that all of these promises are going to highlight his nature and character. So if they're rooted in his nature and character, they rely on that and and they draw attention to his nature and character, then my ability to trust isn't based on what I can understand or what I see in other people, but on the nature of God. Which is why it's so important for us to, to really dig into the scriptures, to know who he is according to his word, not according to my feelings.
1: Which leads us into week three. Hey, nice segue there. <laughs> that, that wasn't, it was very sorry.
0: <laughs> uh, so yeah, as we're looking at, at week three, we began to talk about this broken world that we're in. That The fact that we do live in a world where people do break their promises. We fail, and we have this longing for something more. We long for uh, what the Hebrew, the biblical Hebrew would call shalom, this idea of peace and wholeness and completeness and and harmony, both inside and outside. And that's virtually impossible, it seems, to find in this world. And we need somebody bigger. And so we we looked at O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, uh, and, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lonely exile here we kind of dug down on, on that idea of being in lonely exile here in this world uh, israel was in exile in in uh, assyria and later in babylon uh, which was a picture of our exile in the world that we're in and so we said that jesus right. came to save us because only he can satisfy our longing there's something in us that craves god there's a separation because of our sin and that separation from God leaves our deepest longings unfulfilled. God made us for Himself, and if we're connecting in any other way than in intimacy with God, if we're trying to fulfill these longings of our heart through any aspect of the world—our our children, our uh, you know pursuit of relationships or uh, uh, careers, you know, what a career! Yeah, any of these things that yeah. we you know pursuit of pleasure. Uh, you know, great food and drink and all these other things that people have pursued over the years that, that we traditionally call hedonism. You know, there's a reason that John Piper says that the true hedonism, the real hedonism is the pursuit of God, The to desire God and find our deepest satisfaction in him. That's what our our very being is actually craving and longing for, is a connection with God himself. So the truest form of Actual hedonism is to pursue God with all that we have, and so you know, looking at it, the the effects of sin darken our world and and create this wrongness when we have a longing for for what ought to be this the sense of oughtness. Uh, and God promised, as we saw before, He promised a Redeemer to set wrong things right. Uh, and we talked mm-hmm. about Isaiah nine, and so all of these things that. Uh, that we're hungering for we're crying out for god to be with us to fix these things which is what emmanuel means so we we cry out oh come oh come emmanuel and ransom your people buy us back from the effects of sin disperse the gloomy clouds of night and and, you know and set all things in order uh, all things far and nigh and and fill all the world with heaven's peace and and we're going to see as we as we look at the arrival of the Savior that Christ is returning to rule in perfect peace and perfect shalom. And gets, I guess I kind of accidentally segued into where we're going next in this.
1: That was smooth. <laughs> this to me.
0: idea uh, of uh, of the Savior actually coming to be uh, to be here with us, and we'll be talking about or in the past tense, since this is going to post on Christmas Day. We've
1: already, we've already talked <laughs> We've
0: already talked about, uh, this coming week. Uh, the idea, uh, from, from that most published hymn of all as of the late 20th century, Joy to the World. Uh, a- another great classic hymn from the 18th century written by Isaac Watts. And, uh, it's a very, uh, theologically, um, Distinct hymn, and as he uh, brings these things together, he is singing about. I mean, he's he's paraphrasing uh, Psalm 98 and a couple of verses from Psalm 96 and Genesis 3, where uh, the psalmist says, "Sing to the Lord a new song," and engages all of creation to sing to God because He is ruling and He is uh, He is blessing all the nations. By keeping his promises to Israel, and so this isn't strictly speaking really a Christmas hymn as much as it is a second coming hymn. So we we right. uh, we continue to. Why am I? I'm having a little struggle here. There we go. <laughs> I'm trying to to uh, do two things at once. Probably not the greatest thing with podcasting to to try to multitask.
1: Yeah, it's the holidays. You got to get a lot of <laughs> but, stuff. But
0: you know, in the very first uh, verse, we see the 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 sermon title and the concept as we look at it joy to the world the lord is come let earth receive her king let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and and this is the the concept that we celebrate at christmas that that the christ the messiah the king of the world has come to us and john says that he came to those uh that were his own but his own didn't receive him but as many as do receive him to them he gives the right to become children of god so in the very present sense we have the opportunity to receive our king on a personal level a relational level but in psalm 98 and and where this hymn is going is for all of creation to uh, heaven and nature to receive in in the fullness of his kingdom rule the savior the king of all creation which is who Jesus is. That's why in verse two, it says joy to the earth, the savior reigns. It's not that he came as a big danger, but in the second coming, he comes as the ruling king, as the victorious warrior. Uh, and it it's going to be a very, very bad day for those who are on the, <laughs> on the wrong side of his judgment, but for all of creation itself, it's something to celebrate so that human beings can employ their songs while fields and floods and rocks and hills and plains can repeat that sounding joy because the, the reign of the Savior undoes the curse. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. That's a, a picture of Genesis 3 and what the Lord said to Adam that because of sin all of the, the creation that you were here to be in charge of now will basically fight against you. And instead of the the ground naturally bearing fruit for you, it'll instead produce thorns and, and thistles, uh, that, that are not good for you. But the Lord, the savior who comes to reign here, his blessings flow where presently we are cursed. As far as the curse is found throughout creation, uh, he will undo that curse, which is the promise again of Isaiah, that, that the, the wolf will lie down with the lamb and, and, you know, the child will be able to stick his hand into a pit of vipers and not be bitten. There's all of the things that, that are now natural enemies all gone, perfect shalom in creation. And so when we see Jesus ruling, it comes With the heaviness of war and judgment, but it ends in the perfection of peace as he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations themselves prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. So, this is what Christmas is all about. We're celebrating the
1: the Charlie (laughs) Brown. we're, We're
0: celebrating not only the coming of a baby in a manger, but the gracious God who sends Jesus in the form of a baby, to grow into the form of a man where he humbles himself and takes our sin on himself at the cross, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So that when he returns to establish his kingdom, to set all things right, to destroy everything that is wrong, to destroy everything that is sinful or in any way aberrant from God's plan, we can be on his side rather than under his judgment.
1: So Christmas, I mean, yeah, I know we celebrate, it's a big celebration the whole, the whole season long, but gosh, this, you know, going through this series and really breaking down these songs that everybody knows, you know, even if you're not a right, Christian, yeah. you know these songs. Uh, but when you really get to the, the heart of these individual lyrics, Gosh, it's, it's almost impossible to feel like you shouldn't just be jumping up and down for joy 24 Absolutely. hours a day. I mean, I,
0: I don't know how, when we know him and when we get it, when, when, when these things connect with us. I don't know how in the world we're not weeping and shouting and, and overwhelmed every time we think.
1: It's, it's, I was going to say, it's very overwhelming.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a powerful thing. Yeah, good. So.
1: Well, that's uh, well, I guess I already I already used my Charlie Brown joke. I was gonna say that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, but now it's just stale. Well, but um, but it
0: really is, and so, and that's why we celebrate. And and so you know, as we finish out, you know, many people will be continuing to celebrate Christmas with their families after the the okay. holiday event is over itself. Uh, but in the olden days, we would celebrate, you know, through Epiphany. I think that's a that, which. Is like uh, January sixth or something along that line. I I don't follow the calendar closely enough to know for sure. But but as the the twelve days following Christmas um, continue that celebration, we're looking at the events of God keeping His promises. So that you know, right. All of this stuff reminds us that if the, if God kept His promise to send Christ, then then He will keep His promise to send Christ again to fix. The right, the the practical establishment of his reign and his rule and and establish a new heavens and new earth where there is no more sin or sorrow, no tears, no war, no strife, no sin, but all in perfect peace. And all of the enemies that you've dealt with now uh, will will be, you know, (laughs) will completely be destroyed in, in, you know, for those who are enemies of God. And for those Christians that you didn't get along with, <laughs> we're all going to get along perfectly. <laughs> Everything will be right. resolved and restored, and we'll see things then that we don't see now. And
1: So I I, I think something to, to keep in mind as we close out here and, and going forward, um, I still listen to Christmas music throughout pleasure. the year, but um, uh, I, I, I guess my... What I'm taking away from this, and what I hope some others do is, you know, like I said a minute ago, when you listen to those songs that you hear every single year and you've memorized and whatever, it's it just like anything, just going through the motions, you're not getting the full picture of what it's supposed right. to be. And I think, you know, breaking these songs down and or any Christmas song, even one that, you know, is technically a secular song, you know, getting what you can from that to compare to what the word says. I think it, it can really take you aback if you, if you start really thinking about what these mean and what they're saying. Absolutely.
0: Let's go deeper and let God have his way in us.
1: I think that's a good place to end it. So (laughs) I hope you all have a Merry Christmas and we will, we will be back in the new year with fresh content. (laughs) Hopefully. We might switch up some formatting things, but we will uh, be back to a more consistent uh, publishing Amen. schedule.
0: Merry Christmas. All right. Happy New Year.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. All right. Bye bye.